glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. Glorious Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Glory to the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want to get right into the word of the Lord this morning because I feel so compelled by the Holy Spirit to preach. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11, you can remain seated for the word today. Usually we stand, but you've been standing in worship and we're just going to allow you to be seated this morning. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, but humbled himself, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm going to ask Mother uh, Michael Burton if he'll ask the Lord's blessing on the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. All week I've been preparing for the sermon and I've been just all over the place and really studying and dissecting. And I was going to actually preach to you about spiritual wickedness in high places because that's what the Holy Spirit has been putting into my heart. That's what I've been praying against. That's what I've been interceding about because we know, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12, that there are actually four realms or four dominions or four levels of demonics. There is, we, we wrestle not, he says, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places, the highest level, uh, the highest level of the demonic ranks. It is very serious. It's one of the most powerful forces that you and I will ever face, and that is what we're facing right here, right now in America. We are facing spiritual wickedness in high places. And when you study wickedness, uh, wickedness is characterized uh, in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah tells us that wickedness is characterized in the form of a woman. And the Bible tells us that this woman is put in a basket or an ephah and there's a lead seal put upon it and it's cast out of the land and it's cast out to Shinar. Shinar is actually the place where the Tower of Babel took place. It was a, a tower that was being erected in the defiance of God. God had told uh, the children of Israel to go and to scatter out throughout the earth and replenish the earth, but they gathered together in defiance of God to build a tabernacle or to build a, ta uh, a tower, I should say. And it was there that the Bible says that they were going to make a name for themselves. Everything that that tower represented was a monument of self. It was all about themselves and nothing about God. And it was a defiance saying, we are not going to fall under your direction, but we're going to do our own thing. And the Bible says that they were so much in unity. They were so unified that God had to come down and confound them by changing their language unless they would build that tower. And I want you to understand that the demonic realm is very much in unity. It's a shame that sometimes you can see the forces of evil more unified than the body of Christ. Can I have an amen? Is somebody here to help me preach today? 
And this spiritual rank of spiritual wickedness is very much unified. They are ranked and they have one purpose and that is to kill, to to steal, and to destroy from you as a body of Christ. That's what this demonic realm's all about. Later on and, and, and throughout the scripture in the Old Testament, we see this spiritual wickedness in human form. We see it in the life of Jezebel who was married to King Ahab of Israel. And we see that she herself was the one that actually sat upon the throne and not him. We know that because he was henpecked. He was not a man. He would not stand up against her. And it was the spiritual wickedness of Jezebel that ruled. And we know that it was during this time that Baal was being worshipped and they were offering sacrifices to Molech. The sacrifices that they were offering to Molech was human sacrifices. It was children. And can I tell you, nothing has changed today because that same force is in America where you have people literally fighting and bragging and applauding and celebrating abortion. And abortion is nothing more than a sacrifice to the idol God of this world. Do you not understand that? It's not about women's right. It's about the destruction of human form. It's about the destruction of babies. I'm so sick and I thought, I don't even know where I'm going this morning. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. But nevertheless, we see that Jezebel was so wicked that it was her way or the highway. If you did not do what she wanted you to do, if you did not submit and crumble under her authority, your head was cut off. She was so deceptive, deceiving and seductive that she literally brought on the prophets and deceived them. And they had the Baal prophets. And there they were doing their thing. And this thing turned into what we call this spiritual wickedness in high places. It was a religion. Are you listening to me? It became a form of religion which began to be attached to government. That's what spiritual wickedness in high places is. I don't have time to preach on it this morning. God just wants me to lay a foundation. And the the, the spiritual wickedness in high places is a religion that is tied to a government. And you know what that represents? It represents the apostate church that is connected to the form of government which is an apostate government. Because Isaiah declared, he said that the government shall be upon his shoulders talking about Jesus Christ. Where they are the governments are to be governed by the rule of God. But nevertheless, there is an apostate government and there is apostate church. They are linked together and they are known as spiritual wickedness in high places. Are you with me here today? That's what you and I are wrestling with right now. Yes, we've always wrestled against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, but in the last days, the apostate church is rising and it's connected to the form of government. And now it has the power of government and the power of evilness tied to it to where it wants to stifle the church of Jesus Christ in the last days. This is where we're at. This is what we're wrestling against. Our very life is at stake right now in America. 
What is happening right now is that the four left is trying to take control. You can get mad at me. I'm not preaching Republican and I'm not preaching Democrat. I'm preaching against the four left. Are you listening to me? And I am standing here telling you that now that Joe Biden has been elected, they're saying, let's all calm down. Let's all get unified. And let's all just be in fellowship with one another. That wasn't what they were calling for just a few months ago. They were literally saying the governor of New York stood up and said, since when is protest supposed to be peacefully? Nancy Pelosi would get up and encourage the people to take to the streets and encourage violence and encourage all of that stuff. Come on, somebody help me preach. You can get mad at me all you want to get mad at me, but I'm here to preach truth to this congregation. It is time that enough is enough and the body of Christ stand up and declare the word of the Lord. They have burned our cities. They've burned down our buildings. They've burned down businesses. Not anybody's being arrested. But if the right gets out of line in one little bit, they send the FBI in the middle of the night with blazing guns and join in with all the search warrants and lock them up. We're living in some wicked times, my brothers and sisters, and you better heed to the word of the Lord. And now they're saying, let's just all get along. But what they're actually saying is, you submit to the way that we think and everything will be all right. If you'll just turn like we're turned, we can all get along here. If you'll just take the mindset that we have, I'm here to tell you I can't. I am a remnant church, not the apostate church. The same woman shows up in the book of Revelations. She is the force. She is the system that helps bring on the forerunner. As John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, this apostate church and this religious move that's tied to government is the forerunner of the Antichrist. Are you listening to me? It's what helps him get in power. It's what helps him to literally be ushered in. But they don't know it, but in the book of Revelations, this little lady comes up with a surprise because in the middle of the tribulation period, thank God we're gone, but in the middle of the tribulation period, there will be a rise of this Antichrist to the point that he goes into the temple and he sets himself upon the temple claiming to be God. It is known as an heir of the time of the desolation of abomination. It is there that he says, system, oh lady of wickedness, I don't need you no more. I don't want you to have any influence. I don't want you to get any recognition. I don't want you to get any praise. I don't want you to have any power for I have obtained all power. I am Messiah. I am God. And he destroys the very system that helps him get there. They are deceived. They're they're going on lies and destruction and fall will be their future. So as I was praying about this, I said, God, let me preach on that. And the Lord said, tell the people what is coming on the land. We are at now are at a time of life and death for the soul of our nation. Right now, I'm telling you, it is serious of whether or not that this United States of America will crumble and to where 
our, our, our democracy begins to go fade away and that we become socialistic to where we'll end up being communist, a communistic nation. And then before long, it opens the door for the Antichrist to rule and to reign. Are you listening to me? Everybody says, well, you can't stop it if it's going to happen. Oh, yes, you can because it don't have to happen on our watch. We are the restraining force. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Did you hear what I said? We're the restraining force. Until he, until he be taken out of the way, I tell you that the Antichrist cannot sit upon the throne. As long as the true church of Jesus Christ stands in the power and the anointing and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Antichrist cannot take control. The answer to this problem I'm going to be spelling out in our scripture. It's Jesus Christ. As I was putting all this sermon together and was excited, I just gave you a summary about this woman called wickedness. And as I begin to think about this uh, uh, latter day outpouring, and I know it's coming, you know why? Because God's going to send the same spirit of Elijah upon this generation to combat that old wicked woman called Jezebel. Hallelujah. Jezebel's mention is the wicked Jezebel in Revelations. But I'm standing here today and I was thinking, Lord, let me preach on this wickedness. And the Lord said, the people's got to know how serious it is. They got to know where they're at. They got to understand they're on the threshold of either the nation being destroyed or the nation becoming under the influence of God and being blessed and revival take place. And I said, okay, God. And But he said, don't preach on the problem. Preach on the solution. I said, okay, God, and then the Lord began to put this spirit, this word in my heart. I want to talk to you today about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Now, a name is what you are known by. It's what you're marked by. You say, Mike Burton, you automatically get an image. It's not a good image, but you get an image. <laughs> Amen? And you know, you know what you're addressing as a result of that name. In Bible times, people were named according to the circumstances surrounding their birth or according to the certain calling or mandate or mission that was placed upon them. For example, Moses was called such. His name was called Moses because he was drawn out of the Nile River. His name, Moses, means drawn out. Matter of fact, when you look at Abraham, Abraham was to be the father of the faithful, the father of a multitude, the father of nations. And when you look at Abraham's name, you know what his name means? The father of a multitude. Isaac, because his mother laughed when she was told that she was going to have a child at the age of 90 years old. She chuckled, she laughed, and as a result of that, she didn't believe in the promises of God. She didn't believe in the declaration of the angel of the Lord. And as a result of that, I Isaac's name was named Isaac, which means laughter. And you can go all through the Word of God and you can see this pattern. Names might not mean as much as they do, as much today as what they did back then. For example, today, we just name our children by random. We might name them because we like a certain name. We might name them because they're, uh, you know, because of a relative. Name them after a relative, whether it be a father, an uncle, a favorite aunt, or whatever. But you know what I'm finding about this new generation? They're trying to find the hardest names they can find. Come on now. A name that, that no one's ever been named. I think they make them up. Amen. And then they go to school and say, what's your name? 
How do, how do you pronounce that? How do you spell it? And they give you a spelling that don't even match the pronunciation. Come on, somebody help me preach. It's just kind of weird how everybody's trying to find these weird names, amen? They might not mean a lot today, but back in biblical times, they mean a lot. And I want you to understand the Messiah was named, and he was named Jesus. He was named Jesus by God the Father. Some people think, and I've heard people say that it was the angels that actually named him. This is not so. The angels did not name him. They only announced him. They only proclaimed who he was. Oh, if the church would only announce the name of Jesus. If the church would only proclaim the name of Jesus. Can I have an amen? It was the angel of the Lord that came upon on old, old Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 and said and you shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. It was Mary that had an angel visitation. How many believe in angelic visitations? I, I proclaim right now and I invoke the name of Jesus Christ. God give us angelic visitations. Help us in our time of wrestling with this old wicked woman called Jezebel who's seductive, who's deceiving, who's mean, who's vile, who plays both owls of the fence, who, who charms, who, who lures by her seductiveness. Oh, she's powerful. You remember this women that I had a dream of? The last one was Jezebel and it was in the last rank. That was the woman I said that the church in the last days is going to come up against. And I said she was so powerful I did not think I would resist her or overcome her. And even though I had biblical knowledge, if it wasn't help, if it wasn't for the help of the Lord in that dream, I would have not made it. This woman's mean, and I pray God give us angelic visitation. But in the sixth month of Mary's pregnancy, an angel of the Lord comes and says to her in the book of Luke 2, 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Did you know that Mary did not name him? Joseph did not name him? I want you to know the angels did not name him. Verse 9 tells us, Wherefore God also highly has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. It was God the Father who named Jesus Christ. And the reason that God gave him that name was because only God could know what his mission was and what he was going to do and what he's going to become and what he would fulfill. Only God could know and understand how and only the foreknowledge of God could only know of what he was going to do within this world. So he gave him the name of Jesus, which means what? Savior. And then the name Christ was added to his name, and the name Christ means the anointed. So what we have before you here this day, by the proclamation of God the Father, not just the angels, not just a man of Joseph and a, man, a woman of Mary, but we have a proclamation here today by God the Father that in our midst we have Jesus Christ the anointed Savior of the world. Can I have an amen? And the reason Christ, the anointed one, was placed upon that to let you and I know what that meant. For it is the anointing that breaks the yokes. Hallelujah. Nothing can stand against the anointing. Let Jezebel yell. Let Jezebel, Jezebel threaten. Let Jezebel scream. Let her have her temper tantrums. Let her put forth and stretch forth her muscle. I'll tell you when the body of Christ stands up and resists her, I tell you she shall fall by the wayside because the anointing the anointed power 
Christ will oppose her. Would you just stand to your feet and give God praise for that right now? Oh, Holy Spirit. Yes. You believe it with me? I declare and I decree that America has come too far. I decree and I declare that America was built on covenant with God. I stand here and look God face to face in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I declare him to be righteous. I declare God to be a sovereign God. And I declare that the covenant that he made with our forefathers, he's able to keep. Even though we have been unfaithful, yet he shall be faithful. I am here to declare that. I am here to pray that. I'm here to intercede for that. I am here to remind God that God, if America goes down, it's not America at stake. It's your name at stake. Just like the children of Israel when Moses interceded and said, if you don't take them over into the promised land as you promised, then it's your name at stake saying you, you did not have the ability, but you did not have the power, and you kept not your promises. I'm here to decree that God keeps his promises. And there's still hope for America if the church will stand up and decree and declare and intercede and let God know we stand behind the covenant that he made with us. Somebody ought to be shouting in this house this morning. Huh? Hey, hey, hey. Woo, I feel a black brother spirit coming on me right now. Do we have any black brothers or sisters in here that can help me preach here today? Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Some of you are downhearted. Your heart's failing your ankles. You're running around with fear. You got worry. And yet you see the destruction that could come. Hey, lift up your eyes into the hills to where your help cometh from. Your help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'm here to tell you it's not over until it's over. And I, I want to tell you how I feel about this. You don't have to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, we don't have to be mad at each other. We can still be brothers. But I want you to know Joe Biden is not president yet. I'm still believing. I'm still believing in a miracle. I'm still declaring the word of the Lord. I'm still saying, God, you got this thing under control. So you can't preach like that. You're getting political. I am not getting political. I am standing against the apostate church and I'm standing against the godliness of this world. I probably will not be the pastor of the palace of praise after this sermon. Well, for it was God that highly exalted him and give him a name that was above all name. His name is the exalted name. The Bible tells us in verse nine again, let me read it. Wherefore God also highly, highly exalted him, giving him a name which is above every name. The apostle Paul recognized that he had an exalted name. He understood the power of Jesus' name. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 23. Which God had wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Oh, hallelujah. For above, say for above. For above. All, say all. all. 
for above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, but even in the world to come, and has put all things, say all things, under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Notice that his name is above every name that is named. Notice also that he has all power over every principality, power and might and dominion, not only in, uh, not only over every name in the world, but every name that is to come. And I want you to understand regardless of what principality or power or what demonic level that you and I are dealing with here today, Jesus Christ has all power and all authority and it is he who is king of kings and lord of lords and it is he who has power over spiritual wickedness in high places. The power of government can crush. Rome proved that. Come on. You get government against you, you're doomed, you're through. You can't, they can trick you, they can deceive on you, they can lie on you. Look at the Russia hoax. Ah, better not go there. Because I gotta get ready, I gotta get through this sermon. Three, four years, lies, dossiers being bought by the by the opposite side, spying going on by our own government into the uh, Trump officials. Come on. Say, I don't believe all that stuff. Get your head out of the cloud. You got false prophets. You got false prophets called the fake news that's brainwashing a whole nation. I advise many of you to quit watching the news. Come on, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the report of the Lord or the report of the enemy? Am I preaching all right here today? Well, some of you are with me. But regardless of what power is against us, God will raise up a standard. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. John 3 and 31 says, And he that cometh from above is above all. And he that is of the earth is earthly, and they speak of the earth. Did you hear that? He lets you know those that are earthly, they're earthly, and they'll speak of the things of the world. They'll speak the things of flesh. Come on. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. <laughs> Listen to what Peter said about him in Acts 10 and 32. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching by Jesus Christ that he is Lord of all. Paul said about him in Colossians 3 and 11, Christ is all and in all. Colossians 1 verse 13 through 16 says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son and whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins, who's in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is above all things and and by him, all things consist. The Bible says that he's the head over all things. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two, the Bible says, God who at sundry times and divers manners spanked in times past unto his fathers by the prophets. In other words, in the Old Testament, 
God spoke to people by the prophets. But had in these latter times in which you and I are living, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by him also has made him has, who has made the worlds. I want you to notice throughout these passages of scripture, just to give you a few things. The Bible declares that he's the head over all things. He's the heir of all things. He's all in all. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Jesus Christ. I'm here to declare that he's the exalted one. He's the great unlike. He's the great unmatched. He's the great awesome one. He's the great unique and supreme one. There is no one like Jesus Christ. There is no one that can stand even alongside of him. In Isaiah 43 and 11, he proclaimed himself through the prophetic word. I, even I am the Lord, and besides me there is no other. You stand him up, and no man can stand beside him because he stands alone. I want you to know he stands as the I am. He said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, he that cometh to me will never hunger again. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh unto the Father by me. Can I declare unto you today that Jesus Christ is the I am. He is the I am that I am. He's everything you need him to be. You know, wherever there's a John F. Kennedy, there's a Ronald Reagan. Wherever there is a Moses, there's an Apostle Paul. Wherever there's a great leader, someone either comes along, stands beside, or supersedes that individual. But no one, no one ever superseded Christ. It don't matter how good of an athlete somebody is, there'll be somebody that is forced to surpass them. Don't matter how good of a fighter you are, you'll eventually get to find someone that'll whip you. Come on, somebody say amen. And I want you to understand, but when it comes to Jesus Christ, no one, I say absolutely no. No one has ever superseded him, nor will they ever supersede him. No one has ever dared to stand alongside of him or even declare that they even close to even be his equal. Why? Because he himself said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ is God incarnated in flesh, and there's none like him. He has all power in heaven and earth. He he was God. He looked at Philip and he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He even said in the book of Hebrews that he's in the express image of his Father. Go throughout the book of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Listen, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him there was not anything made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And he goes on, and the light shined in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Did you hear what it says? But listen to the next verse. It clarifies something for us. He, John, was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. John could not match him. As great of a man as John the Baptist. What did Jesus say? There's no man greater on earth than that man of John the Baptist. And yet John the Baptist could not match him. He could not hold a candle to Jesus Christ. John could not be as him. John could not stand beside him. John could not claim to be as equal. John could not even compare himself to Christ. Why? Because 
Jesus was the light which lighteth to every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the worlds were made by him, but the world received him not. He came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to him gave he power power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. Can I tell you today, there's salvation in the name of Jesus. There's no name given under heaven among men whereby men can be saved other than through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's only one anointed Savior. There's only one, one incarnated Christ. There is only one that has come to save men from their sin. There's only one who holds the heavens in the palm of his hands. It is Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Somebody ought to shout in this house. Why don't you just stand to your feet and shout a while. Come on, somebody get into this thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. His name, Emmanuel, which is me and God with us. God's with us here today in the name of Jesus. Somebody help me preach. That word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When he walked here on the earth, they rebuked him because he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. They said, you're a blasphemer because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, well, let me just give you a little object lesson, boys. He said, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to rise up and walk? So he looks at the lame man. He says, know that the son of man has power upon the earth to forgive sins. I say unto you, take up your bed and walk. And the man walked. Amen. He proved his sovereignty. He proved his deity. And the man took up his bed and walked at the command of Jesus Christ. Do you know what can turn this thing around, folks? One word from God. Just like the centurion, huh, I'm a man of authority and I understand that, you know, I tell people to come, they come. I tell people to go, they go. Lord, you don't have to go to my house to heal my daughter. All you got to do is just speak the word and it shall be done. And I'm here to tell you, why are you so down and casted, folks? All it takes is one spoken. The media can ramp, they can rave, they can do whatever they want. They can spend hours and they can spend years in trying to manipulate and trying to deceive and trying to form a, a people into the system of this world. But all it takes is one spoken word of God to bring life to everything that needs to be brought life to. Can I have an amen? Just speak the word. God. Will you decree with me today? God, just speak the word. Just speak the word. Say it with me. Just speak the word and it shall be done. Can I have an amen? Oh, Lord, help us here today. He let them know that he had power upon the earth to forgive sins and that he was the son of God. He said, if I cast out devils with the finger of God, you know the kingdom of God's come to you. Hallelujah. While we're here, and while he was here, he was God walking in human flesh. He was God walking among men. Hallelujah. You know how the beautiful thing about it is? Is that he is man sitting beside God on behalf of man. Did you hear that? People's going to say your theology is not correct, and I'll get to it in just a minute. I said he is man sitting beside God in heaven on the right hand of the throne on behalf of man. 
Some say, oh, no, 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 no. When he left the, this earth and went into heaven, he laid down his manhood. That's not true. Oh, yeah, he's still God, but he's still in a spirit body as a man. Stephen's seen him stand up at the right hand of the Father. Come on. After his resurrection, Thomas seen the holes in his hands and holes in his side and his pierced pierce brow, the holes in his brow. Come on, somebody help me preach. And yet when he ascended to the heavens, he ascended not only as God, he is God, he's got dual nature, but he also ascended still as a man. How do I know? And I'm glad that he did ascend because now the Bible says that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And because he's man, the son of man, he feels every infirmity that you and I have. He notices every burden that you carry. He knows every weakness of your human body. He knows every pain that you experience. He knows your makeup. He knows everything that you go through in this life. He knows where we're at here today. And God, Jesus Christ, is not sitting at the right hand of the Father, wringing his hands and saying, did I pay the price for nothing? Is everything going to go to hell? Because he is God and because he's the son of God and he has dual natures, he just reaches across the throne. He touches the heart of God on our behalf. He mediates for us and he reconciles us back to himself. He's the mediator that stands between me and my God. That's why the Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 and 26 says, Wherefore he's able also to save them to the uttermost to come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercessory. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Oh, can you not understand who he is here today, folks? I don't have time to finish this message, but you see it's in the, his name that you and I have access to the Father. Praise the name of God, because I want to tell you, no man cometh unto the Father except through him. And it's through him that you and I have access. Hebrews 1 and 4 tells us being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then he goes on in verse 5 of that same chapter and says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten. In other words, at any time, when did God look at an angel and say, Hey, you are my son, this day have I begotten. You know they could not because there's only one that is like him. Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. Amen. He's the only one. There is no other. There's no equal to him. I'm here to preach hope to you today. I, I can't finish it. I was going to talk to you about how that his name's a transcendent name, how his name is an eternal name. How his, and I was going to go down the line, but time's got away from me. I feel a close coming on. I think I've given you the gist of where we're at with all of the forces that is against us, with darkness looking us in the face, and they're mocking us. They're dancing in the streets. Have you not seen it? Is anybody... With me here today? Fear has gripped the church. The whole world is shuddering. It's what's going on. Israel is watching. The Middle East is watching. China's watching as a chessboard, ready to move in and crush if we don't do what we're supposed to do. Russia is laughing, Iran is rejoicing. And the church is, oh, what's going on? But I'm here to declare the decree of the word of the Lord for you. It's time the church to rise up. 
Don't just amen me. You better put it to practice because your very children's lives are at stake. I'm serious. This thing is all going to come about of what the church is going to do. Come on. James says you have not because you ask not. And yet Jesus says, I've opened a, a door of utterance for you. I've opened the door to the throne of God for you. I, being your high priest, have allowed my blood to be shed upon the cross so that you would have access to the throne of God. But you have access, but you're not taking an advantage of it. We, as the body of Christ, has to start interceding on behalf of this nation and declaring Jesus Christ to be Lord of it. There's power in the name of Jesus. We got to speak the name. We got to pray the name. We got to preach the name. We got to decree the name. We've got to declare the name. We've got to share the name. We got to believe the name. Somebody say amen. amen. And when the devil comes in and ha, 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 say, whoa, boy, it ain't over. To I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. The Bible, when Jesus went down to the land of Gadara, and when they, when they seen Jesus, the old demons that was inside that man that was cutting himself among the tombs, they cried out and said, Oh, thou son of God, have you come before our time to torment us? The devils even know that he is God, and they fear, and they tremble. If God be for us, who can be against us? I want you to stand with me here today. Andaramos, shitaramos, andabahaya.